everyone. This is another episode of Business Way Outside the Box. My name is Steve Dubin. I uh, own a lightly used public relations firm called PR Works in beautiful Plymouth, Mass., the hometown of the USA. Today, we have a guest actually from the UK, from uh, uh, just outside of Liverpool, um, also a famous uh, launching ground for the Beatles. And uh, our guest today is an authority on podcasting, how to use podcasting both as a business development tool, as a revenue generator, as a way to uh, become a, an authority or be seen as an authority on your topic, and uh, is also the host of his own podcast called Billionaires and Boxers, which is an interesting, even more an interesting name than ours. Um, and with that, uh, I uh, welcome Phil. Phil, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's going to be a lot cool. of fun. Uh, so tell us uh, a little bit about you've done a lot of things in your life uh, in terms of helping with business marketing and um, and growth. Mm -hmm. What brought you specifically to podcasting? Well, I was uh, life originally started for me as a professional athlete. That was nothing to do with business at all. Um, I played football, uh, soccer for most of your listeners uh, from a very young age, got, got my professional contract at 16 and, and played until my early 20s until I was medically retired. Um, then I went into coaching and absolutely hated sports coaching. Uh, I often kind of liken it to being like a recovering alcoholic trying to manage a bar. Like I didn't want to be on that side of the bar. Um, and I felt the same about coaching. I love the kids. I love the work I was doing, but I just wanted to be on the field. So I had to move away and, and go and do something else. But when I moved into the corporate world, uh, I studied with the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors and went into valuation surveying um, and was working with some of the largest real estate and construction businesses in the world internationally. Um, but I was missing sport. And around the time, fan alternative content was just becoming a thing. And somebody said, hey, do you want to come on my podcast as a guest? And I was like, on earth is a podcast and he's like it's kind of like you know the conversations we have in the pub after the game i was like yeah he's like it's kind of like that but recorded and i remember thinking like why would anyone want to listen to our ramblings after the game but i think it was quite unique for me because I, I had a quite unique perspective on it because whilst i was a massive football fan i'd also played and coached professionally within the game so therefore i kind of had a bit of a unique insight so being a podcaster made a lot of sense um, absolutely loved it. It was incredibly uh, fantastic. And then after about two or three months, I wondered why we weren't making money from this thing, figured out a number of ways of monetizing it and ended up growing and selling two sports podcasting networks. So when I then left the corporate world to go into the world of business, like a lot of people, I had no idea how to win clients. Uh, and I often say I was probably about six to eight weeks away from going back and getting a, a quote unquote real job. Um, because I just couldn't make it work. I was trying cold calling, BNI breakfast mornings, LinkedIn messaging, wasting money on Facebook ads, Google ads, you name it. I was trying it and I was stinking up the room. And one of the things that I remembered so clearly about sports podcasting was that the audience was great, but actually the real power of podcasting isn't in the audience. That's just an incredible byproduct. The power of podcasting is in having this VIP backstage networking pass to talk to anybody you want to talk to. 
which is why in the sports realm, I got to speak to players and managers and get press tickets and final tickets that normal fans didn't get just simply because we had a platform to allow them to share their voice. So that's pretty much what led us to where we are. Cause I wondered, I wonder if I can use that for business. I did. It worked phenomenally well. I'm sure we can touch on how and give some tips to your listeners, but started plugging that in, ended up growing and selling two professional services agencies, all fueled and sold funnily enough by podcasting. Um, and then once I left that world, which was about six, maybe even seven years ago now, I had a lot of people come to me and say, how did you get that TV show? How did you get that keynote speaking gig? How did you win that client? How did you become the official partner for that professional body? And I got so sick of saying, I met them on a podcast. I met them on a podcast. I met them on a podcast. I thought, you know what? I should just teach people how to meet these people on a podcast and how to do this. And fast forward six years, 100% success record, hundreds of people later, ranked number one in the world for what we do for the past three years and absolutely loving every day. It's a lot of fun. And so um, if we could, maybe um, it'd be helpful to, to give a starting point yeah. to an a- ambitious business person who, who would like to leverage podcasting uh, as well. Where should they start? I know that they should call you first, but beyond <laughs> the phone call to you, yeah. what are some of the things they need to think about? Well, look, my, my attitude towards this is often give people a lot of golden nuggets because the philosophy I want people to have is if this is what this guy gives me for free, what does he get give me when I pay him? Uh, and that's pretty much the philosophy that we live by. So the very first thing that I would say is reframe your thinking. Stop thinking about growing an audience and start thinking about building relationships. And that way, it's not just the people who you invite on, onto your podcast, but also guest appearing on other people's podcasts because your podcast is quite often about learning and networking. Appearing on other people's podcasts are about sales and credibility. And if you think about it, it's quite quite logical. Your job as a host is to extract the golden nuggets from your guest. Your job as a guest is to provide those golden nuggets. So my very first strategy, and it still works. I mean, obviously, we've improved it a lot over the past 13 years, but this still works to this day. Make a list of the top 100 companies that you would love to do business with and invite their CEO or MD onto your podcast to ask them two questions. Number one, who are they and talk to me about your journey? Because everybody loves to talk about themselves. Shock horror. And number two, tell me about your business and where you're trying to get to over the next 12 to 24 months because they're paid to talk about their business. So if we just take that back a step, you talked about like PR solutions. If you've got an ideal client that you want to work with and you call up that company, you get through to reception and you say, hey, can you please put me through to your CEO? I want to talk to them about charging you a monthly retainer to do PR solutions. They're going to say, we're all good, thanks. Email info at will ignore it and never respond to you. Right. You're talking to a guy who also has a podcast for the same reason you do. So if you, exactly. So if you call up those people and you say, hey, I would love to invite your CEO onto a podcast. It looks like you're doing some great things. I'd love to talk to them about their journey and about what you're doing as a business. You're getting that every single time. And the science behind that is that you're giving before you get. And most people are only prepared to give once they've already got. We've been paid. Now I'm going to give you some value. What you're doing is giving them a stage, a platform, an audience and an opportunity And they've already had something from you before you've asked them for anything. So at the end of that podcast, when the camera's off and you stopped recording and you could just do something as simple as, you know, I feel like we've really resonated together, Stephen, on this call. I wonder if there's a way that we could do some business together. 
Now it's a friendly peer-to-peer level. Well, let's explore what that looks like kind of conversation. And it's okay. incredibly fruitful. And, and um, do you find that there's um, sort of a critical mass or litmus test of where or when some of those bigger fish are willing to be on your, fo- on your podcast? I guess the honest answer is it depends how much research you do in preparation before. So bear in mind, I've into and slightly different because I want to talk about the whole gambit of this, but take sports, for example, some of the sports personalities that I've met and interviewed are some of the most difficult people in the world to get hold of. Uh, One of them, for example, is doing an ex players dinner in a few weeks time. And it's $15,000 per seat for a room full of a hundred people. Right. I got them one on one for an hour to 90, an hour to 90 minutes building a relationship. And the reason I did that was because I didn't do what everybody else did and said, hey, I want to talk to you, I want to do this. I know that they've got a charity and a foundation. So I said, I'd love to talk to you about your career, of course, but I'm actually really interested to talk to you about the work that you're doing with this foundation. Why did you start this charity? What is it? What's kind of a story and the motivation behind that for you? Nobody else was asking them about that. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I would love to come on and talk about that. Thank you. Everybody just wants to talk to me about, do you remember that goal? How did you feel when you won that trophy? For somebody to take an interest in me and the things that I'm passionate about, that's great. And that same can be done in business. Look at those business owners. What businesses are the, the what what charities and uh, organizations is that business getting involved in? Who are they partnered with and doing work with? Are they getting involved in any local and community projects? Have there been any news stories about people who work for that business that have gone and done something, maybe a charity run, maybe they were sick and now they're better? Look for something deeper than I want to turn that person into a client, so I'm going to try and have a call with them and genuinely try and give before you get. Okay. And so if we can, uh, I, I think that's a really good suggestion and a really creative one. If we could talk about even the gestation period of a podcast from idea to taping the first three. So there's, there's some volume that can be offered all at once as people yeah. listen or watch. Um, yep. How long do you, do you suggest people take to put together their one sheet to name the podcast to get it on key portals um, to have a sense of really what they want to present before they actually have it go live how long does that take it's a great question i think for me i might have a slightly different take on this to some people so one of the things that i always suggest is because i've worked in the world of television and broadcasting no tv network will ever pick up your show unless there's a minimum of 10 episodes so one of the things that i always say to people is go and record 10 to 15 interviews before you even choose a name before you choose your artwork and before you put it out there because there are going to be some of those interviews that are a dud and you don't want to release them at all But if you've got a big block book of interviews there, you may well find that actually this is a recurring theme. When I'm talking to people, maybe I should work that into the name. You know, maybe I can work that into the description. And then when you go to those uh, platforms, those distributors, as I like to call them, that can put you on all of those major platforms, you've already got bulk content to go. So a lot of people don't know, for example, that iTunes won't accept your podcast until it's got X amount of number of shows. So they put one up and they try and apply for iTunes and they get rejected and then they get disheartened. 
Well, if you can upload five or six at the same time, you get over that barrier straight away. Plus, you can turn that launch into an event. You know, uh, it, it, for the you know, get really excited about the fact that I'm about to launch my podcast season on the first of the month, and there's a special um, treat for everybody who's going to be listening. I'm launching five interviews with five key mentors of mine in the industry. It all in one go so that you can binge into it. The stuff that's going to be provided in there is going to be great and it's going to give you a taste of what's to come. The let, this is what I often find that people don't like to do, not just in podcasting, but in business in general. What they try to do is sit there with a pen and paper and plan. What am I going to call it? What's the logo going to be like? Who's going to listen to it? Well, you don't know because you're not the audience. The people you need to ask are the audience, right? So, what you need to do is start to put yourself out there and have those conversations and see what comes of it. And maybe even ask the guests. If you're going to interview 10 to 15 guests, say to them, I'm playing around with two or three names for this show for when it's ready to launch. Which one do you think resonates the best with you and our audience? Ask them, get the feedback, make, make this a science. Don't make this guesswork. Okay. All right. Great. And, um, Another question that we get a lot from clients um, is what's the platform that I should be using? Should I be using Zoom like we are today? So I have both audio and video. Should I be using LinkedIn Live, Facebook Live? Uh, what are some of your thoughts on, on platform usage? So I guess the joy of podcasting is it can take two forms, right? The, it, podcasting can be great for those people who are pretty scared of going on camera and it can have a lot less barriers to entry than things like YouTube and live streaming. Now, if you're like, if you, I'm guessing like you and me, um, you know, we're just like, it's fine. We'll just, we'll get on camera. We'll have the conversation. I'm not that worried about how I look. Right. But there are other people that that would be the barrier that stops them doing it is oh, I don't want to be on camera. I'd feel really uncomfortable with that. So for people like that, I would say things like Squadcast is great because you can just record the audio. And unlike Zoom, Squadcast will prioritize the quality of the audio. So if someone's bandwidth messing about a little bit, Zoom tries to get the balance right between audio and visual, whereas Squadcast will let the video, audio, video quality go right down but will prioritize the audio, and it only records the audio, which I think is really powerful. However... Now that things like StreamYard and things like that have introduced pre-recorded live streams so that you can record a video, upload it, and schedule it to go out as a live stream with a pre-recorded video, I personally would encourage people to use things like WebEx or Zoom or even StreamYard itself, uh, OneStream. There's loads of them out there, aren't there? But it's I would definitely say have something that you can take both the audio and the visual because you want to appeal to every single type of your audience. I know, for example, that there are customers of mine who don't watch many videos. They listen to the podcast in the car. They listen to it on a plane. They listen to it while they're commuting. That's fine. That's great for them, right? However, there are other people who are like, oh, no, I need to see something. Otherwise, I get distracted. I can't just sit there listening to something. You know, they're the people that physically like to hold a book rather than have an audio book. You need to cater for everybody. There's a reason that when somebody releases a book, they release an audio book. You want to cater for both. So if you've got the video, but the whole intention is to share that physical presence. And this is an important distinction when it comes to podcasting. It has to work in audio only. The video is there to complement it. 
What you can't do is share your screen, start showing a portfolio and a presentation and talking through it and then rip out the audio and stick it out there because then it doesn't make any sense. Um, But have some fun with it, I think is the honest answer. Wherever you feel most comfortable. I mean, the reality is there is zero barrier to entry with Zoom. We've all, especially over the past 18 months to two years, everybody's got used to using Zoom. So it's a, it's a great way of communicating. It's a great little recording platform. And you don't need to be spending $50, $100 a month on incredible software when this works just as well. Okay, great. And so um, we've talked a little bit about the technology and how we've changed um, over the last year and a half. What about the future? What's the next big thing uh, in terms of a platform that may go beyond podcasting or how does podcasting evolve into something else? Yeah, I like that. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of school for thought around this. Um, I think it's probably going to be some variant of uh, podcasting, online streaming and a clubhouse style thing. Um I feel like there'll be a lot more interaction with the podcast as it's being recorded, which is funny, isn't it? Because we're talking about modern technologies, but actually that's kind of taking us back to what we used to do with radio in the nineties. You know, people could call in, they could ask questions, they could do whatever. Now we're just talking about doing it with live chat Um, and, you know, having things behind a paywall where your paid people get the full version and other people just get the lighter version. Um, And I think there's a whole host of things there, but one of the things that I would definitely stress is, it, it all comes down to enhanced communication and networking. Cause I feel like that was what was missing for a while. You know, we went through a period of, it wasn't what, you know, it's who, you know, and it was about combining your Rolodex with somebody else's Rolodex and doing business together. And, you know, people would get headhunted because of the power of their network and who they knew. Then technology started to come in and people started to utilize it for that. But then I almost feel like we went too far with technology and it became a bit kind of like, well, now I don't have to talk to anybody. I can just have this robot thing tracking people around the internet, shoving my advert in front of their face until they buy. And it lost the human contact. It lost that human interaction. And I truly believe that technology is utilized best when it is enhancing and supporting that human relationship, that human-centric contact. And I feel the future is more of that. It's more of the podcasting. It's more of the networking but it's more immersive and engaging at the same time. That's where I feel that we're heading. Okay. And, and if I were, you know, I think most people, and I think you and I agree that podcasting produces results um, and why question success and why try to overanalyze where it came from. But if you Mm. were to look at any of the algorithms or the hard numbers related to podcasting anywhere from downloads to yep. to number of uh you know thumbs up uh to um length of time listening uh, what are the the numbers that you feel are the the kpis of podcasting it's a good question 
I think the first one has got to be the, the, the fact that most people stop listening to a podcast three to five minutes in if they're going to stop listening. So you need to make sure that your first three to five minutes are all about setting the scene. What are they going to get? Why are they here? What happens if they stick around? You know, in my world, I call this a pitch slap. So, you know, think about television shows. When you're watching a TV show at the very beginning, they show you a 30 to 40 second clip of the most exciting thing that's coming up in the show later. That's so you stick around and watch, right? And you need to do the same in a podcast because if somebody comes on and they listen to the first three minutes and it's just, you know, two people having a chat and they don't really know why they're there, they're going to zoom straight back out again, right? So, and then you've, you produce all this gold over the next 25, 30, 40 minutes. No one's listening to it. So keep that in mind. That's a big one. I think the other one to keep in mind is, is to keep pushing through. And this is where I think a lot of people struggle is when they realize that they're not making any money from podcasting, they drop off or they stop or they don't release any episodes for a number of months. And it's very, it's very inconsistent. And the audience don't know whether they should be listening or not. Um, plus, it starts to raise questions in people's mind like, oh, maybe they're not in business anymore because they've not released anything for a couple of months. Even guest appearances, like if you do a big block of six months and then you don't do anything for a year, they assume that you've gone off the boil or you're not anybody to listen to anymore. So that's where I always like to say, if you have it as part of your key business development strategy so that you're constantly interviewing people, you're going to want to do more of these interviews because they're creating opportunities to make revenue and grow business relationships. Whereas if your sole focus is on growing an audience, at some point that's going to get boring. You're going to get bored with that. You're going to get disappointed that people aren't listening. And I, I like to say this, and I do this from TV, stage, and podcast. I always say, you know, I'm going to show you how to make seven and eight additional figures in revenue from a podcast, even if it's got zero listeners. And the reason that that bit's there is because if a thousand people listen to your show, but you still did a deal with that person, do you care if a thousand people listened or 10,000 people listened? No, you've still got the money in the bank. You've still got the business relationship. It made no difference to you if nobody listened. So that okay. can't, it can't be vanity metrics or you get bogged down under it. Right. Okay, great. Um, and then um, if you were um, independently wealthy, which you're, you're approaching already, uh, what, uh, what would you do if you had, you know, money was not a concern? Um, what would interesting. be your pro, you know, your project or your focus? It's interesting. You should say this because I've, I don't believe in coincidence at all. In fact, I'm somebody that doesn't believe in coincidence. And and weirdly, only yesterday was I writing the answer to that question because I'm doing a um a 90 day manifestation journal, and the part of the the very beginning of the journal was asking exactly those kind of questions. And I meditated on it. And the answer that I came up with was two things. Number one, focus on building my legacy. Um, and the legacy that I want to leave is that I always champion the underdog. That's that's who I am. It's the part of the world that I'm from. It's the thing that we're famous for. It's in my blood. Uh, it's the thing that gets me out of bed. So it would, I don't know exactly what it would look like, but it would it would involve a lot of championing the underdog, emerging market wealth creation, you know, helping people across Southeast Asia, Africa, Latin America to be able to compete with the established markets of mainland Europe, the UK, North America. Like that for me is is what it's all about. Because there are some incredibly talented people around the world that because of where they were born, feel like either they they're not entitled to or opportunities aren't available to them. 
And I'd really like to do my part in leveling that playing field and saying, you know what? It's not about where you were born. It's best man for the job. You know, and if the best person to help you with that project is someone who owns a PR firm in, you know, Cape Town rather than in Dubai, then I'm going to use Cape Town over Dubai. Uh, and, and it's about leveling that playing field so it can become about, you know, who does the best job, who's going to be the best person to help you rather than who's that person that lives down the road from me. Okay, great. And then uh, I'm sort of at the end of the show, but one of the things I'd like to ask before we leave is, is there anything that you really wanted to mention, cover, suggest um, that we did not cover? Yeah, you know, I think the only thing that I would say is a lot of people plan and they plan and they plan and it never actually seems to take any action. I would almost suggest throw yourself in at the deep end. And the best way to throw yourself in at the deep end is to appear as a guest before you start to uh, host your own podcast. It will also help you to determine what kind of host you want to be, what styles you like, what you don't like. And there are lots of great platforms out there. Two of them that I love a lot are podbooker.com and matchmaker.fm. Matchmaker.fm sounds like a dating site, but I promise you it's for podcasting. Um, but if you go and create a profile on there and message podcasts and genuinely take an interest in them and their audience and say, this is the value I want to come and add to your audience, and you go out there and put yourself out there, you will start to get some momentum and see how this feels. Now, it's if this is things that we teach to show you how to start monetizing that straight away. But even if you don't want to work with me, like uh, I'm not, no qualms about that whatsoever, right? We're nice and busy anyway just put yourself out there like take the step because so many people i speak to and i hear them say things like you know i've been wanting to start a podcast for a while now i've been thinking about it for about six to 12 months why haven't you done it then or even worse people say i recorded some interviews and then i stopped because life got in the way well that's doing no good sat on your hard drive get yourself out there have conversations don't focus on the audience and focus on building those relationships it's exactly what I did. We now have a t- our third season of our TV show, 350,000 subscribers to the podcast and two global radio stations that air it, meaning we get about half a million downloads per episode, sometimes more in our juicier episodes. And that's all by not focusing on the audience. That was focusing on building the relationship. So the best way to get yourself out there and to grow listeners to your podcast and grow authority is start appearing as a guest on other people's shows. It's awesome. I think... Uh... You've uh, inspired me. I think you can, if you, when you can inspire someone from New England to actually get excited about something, <laughs> you've accomplished something. So, uh, last question: How do people? What's the best way to reach you so that people can continue the conversation and potentially um, use your service? No, it's great. Well, thank you for asking. Well, look. For everybody who's listened to this that's stuck around to the end, I've actually got a, a gift for you. It's in the show notes below. Um, there's a link to a free masterclass that I recorded. It's about 35 minutes long, there or thereabouts. But it's essentially the idea behind that masterclass is to show you how to start monetizing podcasting, how to create some strategic alliances using podcasting. It's designed to be the first few steps on that journey. So definitely go and check that out. Um, I always love to speak to people, whether they come to me to say they really enjoyed it or whether they come at me to say, dude, I think you're nuts. Um, I, I, I welcome that too. It's a lot of fun. Um, so drop me a message on LinkedIn. There's only one Phil Palucha. Uh, sounds like a chant, doesn't it? There's only one Phil Palucha. Uh, but there is, there's only one of me. So definitely come check me out on LinkedIn. Drop me a connection request. Let me know where you heard the podcast and I look forward to speaking to you. Okay, great. Thank you, Phil. And uh, as a final note from uh, me, Steve Dubin, business way outside the box. 
Uh, we're open to your suggestions for other great guests uh, or other ways of presenting this podcast. We're open-minded and uh, welcome your comments. You can also find me on LinkedIn under Stephen V. Dubin. Uh, thank you so much for being with us and thank you so much, Phil.